But I'm just letting you know there is that option for those that are in the 60 and over group. They are meeting in adult classroom one. And in here, we have a special guest that I'll mention in just a bit, and he will uh, come and present. But before he does that, I just want to remind you of some things that are happening. This weekend is uh, an important weekend for us. Saturday is our open house that we've advertised to the community through a number of means, door hangers yesterday. It's in the newspaper. We were passing out invitations to that at the Trenton Summer Festival also. So we hope a number of folks from the community will come. No one may come. A bunch of people may come. We have no earthly idea. But uh, we are praying about that and hoping the Lord will allow us to make some contacts with folks who need to either come to the Lord uh, or grow in the Lord. And so you could help us with that by being here. Those of you that have volunteered to help with it, thank you. And if you haven't been assigned a particular task, there are tasks listed at the Information Center desk. You can see that before you you leave today. And uh, those of you who haven't, uh, we still could use your help by showing up. If you show up, that will allow you to mingle with some of the people that will hopefully be here and get a chance for us to uh, let the community know uh, what kind of people we are and inviting and uh, and loving uh, people, and you can help us with that. And I encourage you to bring your kids as well. We're going to have some bounce houses out in the front. We're going to have hot dogs, face painting, uh, some clown skits. Uh, So they'll have some fun and get a chance, hopefully, to meet some uh, other kids. All right? So that's this Saturday. Sunday, we'll have our regular complement of services, 930 and 11. Uh, But the 930 service, my message next week, will be introducing Community Bible Church, and it will be about the values, biblical values, that undergird who we are uh, so that we can introduce ourselves to any guests who might uh, be here. And then the second hour will be a preview of the class that starts the following week, two weeks from today, Where is God when it hurts? Think about uh, inviting somebody to that. Where is God when it hurts a series that obviously covers a lot of territory of suffering and trial and God's perspective on it. So uh, I encourage you to use that as an outreach uh, opportunity. Pray for us this week as we, uh, myself and 29 other people, three adults and 26 uh, senior high teens, will be going to Kentucky for senior high summer camp. Uh, Pray for the teens as well that I don't kill any of them while, uh, while I'm there. As a disciplinary act, um, just pray for my patience and, and all of that. I'm sure it will all be intact. At some point, sanctification has to kick in for me on, on that. But uh, we do look forward to the kids having a great time and with each other, learning of the Lord, and there's also a bunch of fun stuff planned as well. All right, those are the things that uh, are coming up. Today, we're delighted to have uh, Jonathan and Becky Schuster with us. They are missionaries, as I mentioned in the first hour, to Ireland. They've been serving the Lord there for a number of years. And Jonathan and I were able to make acquaintance uh, via phone and email over the last uh, several weeks. And that's because uh, we were put in touch by uh, the Allens, Dave and Kim, and the Nortons, and Sally Meadows. Uh, They are folks who have known the Schusters for a lot of years and let me know that they are in town and leaving shortly to, to head back, right? So we're thrilled that their schedule worked out for them to be here and for Jonathan to present what they've been doing and what their heartbeat is for their mission field in Ireland. So, Jonathan, it's all yours. Well, good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, it's especially good for me to be here because uh, this is the area that I grew up in. Uh, I actually grew up in South Rockwood, and uh, if you know where that's at, Carlton Rockwood Road, um, it's just the beginning of Monroe County. And, of course, Ken and his wife are living in Flat Rock. So, wow, this is just this is a great place to be because... Uh, uh, sometimes as a missionary you feel a little bit um, like you're always a visitor, you know. 
So it's, good, it's great to come back to home, uh, what is uh, an area that you're familiar with, that you grew up with, and, and meet people that you can talk about places and uh, events with, and they understand and relate. So it's good to be here. I want to share with you a little bit first about Ireland uh, and why we're there and what we're doing there and what our ministry is about. And then I want to share a little bit with the Word and the Word with you. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to the first chapter of the book of Acts and then maybe just put a bookmark there and put it aside till we get to it Uh, because we do want to spend a little time in God's Word this morning. But Ireland, uh, why Ireland? Uh, Next slide. Uh, Ireland, as we know, is a beautiful country. People, I I just had someone ask me the other day, so um, so do you like living in Ireland? And my first thought is, you know, who wouldn't? it's, It's a beautiful place. However, with that said, if you like warmth and you like sunshine, Ireland is not for you. Okay, because uh, it's not warm and there's not a lot of sunshine. Uh, this is a great picture, I think, for, uh, you know, a typical Irish day. Uh, next slide. Uh, when you think, th- this is a road that is literally about five minutes from our house. So it's a very beautiful, very green country. Uh, this is a typical traffic jam out west. Um, you have, uh, next slide. Uh, Beautiful cottages. Uh, this is not an, uh, an unusual uh, scene. Again, more out in the west of Ireland. Uh, and somewhere in the history of the country, they missed this idea that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, because you get an awful lot of this too. Thought if you ride a motorcycle, it's a lot of fun in Ireland. Okay. Um, the Cliffs of Moher. This is probably the quintessential picture that uh, is used on travel brochures and, you know, Irish stuff. Uh, This is out west, very famous. Um, We have a lot of cliffs. My wife and I actually live on the opposite side of the country and in the east of Ireland, but we live in what's called the cliff lands, and there are cliffs maybe a quarter that size uh, that is on our side of the country. Next slide. Uh, and a lot of little villages, um, and of course, your occasional leprechaun. Um, so this is, this is a beautiful country, and we love it. Uh, it is, it's a great place to live. Um, next slide. Uh, they love their music. You've all heard of Irish or Celtic music. I mean, they're, well, I, think they're, I think they're well known around the world for their music. Right? And of course, river dance certainly brought uh, uh, the Irish culture to the world stage. Uh, they love their, um, next slide, they love their sport. This is rugby. Because we're an island, they love uh, all things that have to do with the sea. Uh, they love their food. We don't, but they do. Um, I, I tell the joke. You're, you're with someone, and you want to go out to eat, so you, and it's a spontaneous, and you say, hey, what, you know, you want to go out for some Italian, you want to go out for some Mexican, right? You know what I'm talking about? Um, how many times do you hear somebody say, you want to go out for Irish? 
Now, I'm an Irish citizen, so I'm allowed to say this. Uh, so if you're Irish here, you can't be offended if another Irish person says it about Ireland, okay? But listen, um, the food's not great, okay? It's not. Uh, which is good. It's a good thing for me that it's not great. We, we used to live in Spain and we loved the food there. Uh, I love Spanish food. Um, but Irish food... If you like potatoes, you're ma- you got it made, you know. Uh, next slide. They, they love their f- festivals and St. Patrick's Day. Um, and, and, and the thing they love more than anything in the world. Anybody want to guess? Next slide. They love their pubs. Yeah, they love their pubs. Their greatest, their greatest, I don't want to use the word greatest, their biggest export, right there. Okay. You know, it's hard to find a, uh, it's hard not to find an Irish pub when you travel. Uh, I noticed in your bulletin that you have a trip to the Holy Land planned in 2015. Well, the first time that I went to the Holy Land was actually uh, not until after we had moved to Ireland. And when I got to uh, Tel Aviv and I rented a car, I was on my own doing some research in, 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 um, in Ireland, and I started traveling, and I was looking for some place to eat, and can you believe the first thing I found was an Irish pub? You can find them everywhere. Uh, but that's not why we're there. We're there because Ireland as a part of, of, of Europe in general, is a post-Christian, post-modern continent. The church in Africa is growing 50 times faster than the church in Europe. The church in Asia is growing 43 times faster How many people have had a chance to travel and visit a country in Europe? Please raise your hand. Okay, those of you who have raised your hand. Did you visit a church while you were there? Did it look like a museum? Unfortunately, next slide. That's exactly what you'll find in most of the churches in Europe. This is hard to imagine that Europe was the place that brought Christianity to, the, to, to these shores. And yet to go there now, it is, a, it is an entirely post-Christian society. Whether you're in Spain or France or Ireland, Germany, it, 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 you're not going to find a place where the gospel is... is, is infiltrated the society. Of course, the longer we're here in the States, we're beginning to realize that things here aren't, are on a downward spiral. But that's another sermon and another lecture for another time. Next slide, please. One of the problems that we have in Ireland is that uh, this is a country that for a very, very long time has blended its its culture and its identity with its religion. This is not something that we're really familiar with in this country. It's not something we've had to deal with. 
We, we're a potpourri of people and religions. We're, remember the, the expression, the melting pot. We're the, the melting pot of people groups. So this environment that you and I have been raised in, is very, it's very different. It's very foreign for us to think about being um, a country that is connected with a religion. But that is exactly what you have in Ireland. You have a people group that is raised in an environment where to be Irish is to be Catholic. That does not mean or does not translate into having a relationship with Jesus or knowing Jesus. It's just to be Irish is to be Catholic. And there's a good historical reason for that. If you look and study, if you study the Irish history, you'll discover that uh, Ireland was dominated by Great Britain. Some of you know your Irish history, you know your, your European history. Uh, we've, we've heard about the Spanish, or excuse me, the Irish famine. In fact, my ancestors came over on my mom's side from Ireland on, a, on, on the Irish famine ships. You know what I'm talking about, yeah? Okay? A lot of Irish came over. There's a, a, a fantastic scene. I think it's in the film Gettysburg or Gods and Generals. I forget which one it was. Uh, if you've seen those films, um, they're very, very good. I think they're very good. On the Civil War, there's a great scene in which um, there are Confederate and Union uh, recruiters literally on the same docks as the Irish ships came in, and, and they're... they're uh, recruiting these Irish people as they come off these ships. And there's another scene in, in the film in which there's a, a temporary ceasefire in which two Irish uh, regiments, one from the Union and one from the Confederacy, meet in the middle to exchange goods and discover that they're Irish. And then they have this, they laugh and talk about the, uh, the, the homeland. And this was typical uh, in our history. Th there were so many that came over all at once, and then they ended up fighting against each other in the Civil War. Kind of crazy. But during that time of the Irish famine, I didn't know this until I got to Ireland. It wasn't because there wasn't any food. Potatoes. The potatoes were the, the, if you would, the staple of the poor man's Food, staple of their of their diet. Thank you, Becky. The the nicer stuff, the corn, the wheat, all that kind of stuff, that was grown in the plantations, which were English plantations. And so, if you were to go to Dublin right now, you would see a memorial that's right along the river the River Liffey. That's about five or six Irish people who are starving to death. They're thin. They, they, they look like they're starving to death. It's, it's made out of cast iron. It's there it's to, to remind us of the, um, the famine years in Ireland. But we all know in Ireland, those of us that live there, that while the Irish people were starving to death and dying, and we went from 8 million at one time to now we're only 4 million, we're still half of what Ireland used to be before the famine years that while they were starving, there were barges of, of food being sent off to, to England. 
Uh, there was lots and lots of food. It was just owned and controlled by the wealthy English. And so uh, there's, there's no love, or there hasn't been historically a great love between the Irish and the English. The English were, were very few compared to the many Irish, but they were the ones in control. Uh, they, were, they were the dominant um, party, if you would, the dominant landowners, uh, the dominant government. Uh, so over the years, there grew with that a separation in, if you would, religious identity. Because, see, the English were the Protestants, the Anglican. And if you hate the English, which the Irish did, you don't want anything to do with that. So you're not going to be Protestant, you're going to be Catholic. And so there was this long historical divide. To be Irish was to be Catholic, to be English was to be Protestant. So here you have hundreds of years of history, uh, which blends the cultural identity with a particular religion. We were in Ireland just recently, uh, last October, in fact, because we just became Irish citizens, and we had to go there in person to, to, uh, to get our citizenship. We took a taxi back to the airport, and I asked the taxi driver, I said, uh, so what do you think about God? <laughs> That's how I started. I don't know if that was the right approach, but it worked this time. No, what, what do you think about God? And uh, he laughed. He says, wow, you don't hear that every day. He says, uh, uh, well, um, I, I'm Catholic, of course, because I'm Irish. That's exactly what he said. And, uh, and he went on to talk a little bit about, you know, the problems in the Catholic Church and all this. And then at the end, as we pulled into the airport, he goes, well, uh, wow, this is interesting. Um, he said, I guess at the end of the day, I don't know if there's a God or not. Uh, I suppose, you know, there's probably more than, than one way to God, which is pluralism. This is, I wasn't surprised. This is exactly what I know. This is what I know of living in Ireland. Uh, for one person there to say that they're Catholic does not mean at all that they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, next slide. I mean, um, the rosary, the whole... As you were um, talking this, this morning, Pastor, you, you started talking about the religious man. And as you started giving those quotes from Tim Keller, contrasting the two, boy, it sure sounded like an Irishman. It sounded like somebody so wrapped up in religion. Boy, isn't there a difference between religion and a relationship? See, religion, there's a lot of things that can be uh, classified as religion, I mean, some of the ones that might come to your head immediately would be like Islam or maybe Buddhism or we could go on and on and on. Listen, Christianity can be a religion just like anything else. If you don't know Christ and you just come in, especially in like an Irish Catholic church, let's put it in the context. If you just come in and you're there because you've been told that if you come and if you attend Mass and then you leave, you're, you're good. You're good with God. I, I teach at the Irish Bible Institute, the only Bible Institute in the country, actually, and we'll get to that in a minute. But 
Uh, over the years, I have had the opportunity to interview every single student that has come through the Irish Bible Institute, every single one of them, because they have to take one of the classes that I teach in order to graduate. So I get everybody, and I, and I always interview them as part of that class. And then over the years, hundreds of evangelical Irish students, anywhere from, say, 20 to 65 years old, I've asked them every single time, did you hear the gospel growing up in the Catholic Church? And so far, I am at 100% no. I have never had a student say yes. Well, that's why we're there. Next slide. What are we doing? Well, what has God called us to do? Next slide. Uh, first of all, uh, and foremost, my ministry is at the Irish Bible Institute, where I teach Old Testament, and I also teach church history, and I teach a class in pastoral ministry. And I, I love what I do there. Um, I, we want to see the church grow in Ireland. And there is, there is an old saying that is, you can just fill in the blank with any country of the wor- world, and it's true. Uh, in this case, it's Ireland. No one can reach the Irish better than the Irish. And that is so, so true. And so I feel like uh, what we're doing at IBI or the Irish Bible Institute is, uh, is extremely strategic, coming right out of 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 2. You know, train others who will then in turn go on and train others. Okay, it's discipleship multiplication. And uh, I love what we do, and we always have a good crop of students every year. Uh, Things have been kind of, uh, you know, slow the last few years, maybe a dozen incoming students, a dozen to maybe 20 uh, because of the economy, but we're hoping that'll change. But but part of the reason why um, we don't have a lot of students is because there's just not a lot of evangelicals in Ireland. You know, we're, we're less than 1%. Now, how many evangelicals are there in America? I don't know. But even if you don't use the word evangelical, how many people in America have heard the, heard the gospel or, or have had an opportunity some way, even if it's Christian radio or a bookstore? I mean, if you, if you live in, say, for example, northwest Ireland, and you want to go to a Christian bookstore, you pretty much have to travel six to eight hours to get to, to, get to a Christian bookstore. You and I? 20 minutes? Uh, things are very, very different over there. Less than 1% evangelical in Ireland. Less than 1%. Uh, next slide. So that's what we do. We, we're training leaders. We're training people to be able to go out and, and reach Ireland for the kingdom of God. And, and we're it. I mean, if you want to go to a Bible college, and you're Irish, and you want to go in Ireland, you have one choice. And so, if you want to take Old Testament... And you're Irish, you get me. That's it. No options. No looking at the class going, let's see, who do I take? So uh, anyone who's ever studied uh, formally in Ireland, the Old Testament, well, I know them, and they know me. And, um, but uh, this is a great group of people. These are people who love the Lord and have um, sacrificed greatly to to follow the Lord. 
before the Irish Bible Institute was uh, started in 2000, and we went in 2004, so we've been there for 10 years, uh, if someone came to know Christ and they wanted to get training somewhere, well, they either had to go to the United Kingdom or they had to go to America. Oftentimes they came here to the States. And then after they got this training, what do you think happened? Anybody want to guess? Yeah, they would stay. And so we, don't, we weren't getting any return back to Ireland. And the leaders in Ireland realized this and they said, we're, 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 we don't have a place where they can come and, and, and get a good theological education and actually stay. And so the Irish Bible Institute was formed and uh, it's very, very important what we're doing there. Next slide. Um, and as you can see in, the, in the, this promotional slide, study as you serve. We're all about practical theology. We're all about learning what we need to learn so that we can reach others for the kingdom. Uh, next slide. And you have things like uh, guys who are involved in Christian Motorcycle Association. Actually, just flip through these rather quickly, and I'll comment as you go. Here's a picture of our student body. Next slide. Uh, here's a, a, a student of mine, Johnny Somerville. Next slide. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight a couple of these guys. He leads Youth Alpha Ireland, uh, which is uh, Alpha, I realize, is not very popular over here in the States. Have you ever heard of it, Ken? Okay, Ken knows about it. It's, uh, it was started by a guy by the name of Nicky Gumbel in the UK. It's, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful program that they use to share uh, our faith. It's done great in, in Ireland. Johnny, one of my uh, graduates, uh, he's leading Youth Alpha. Um, he has an uh, unbelievable ministry. Now, I talked about the history of the Irish and the English. I mean, they, they've hated each other for centuries, and the Irish especially to the, to the English, because of sort of the domination. And you've heard of the IRA, the Irish Republican Army. What is that all about? That is all about that when Ireland did become um, a republic, the, uh, the British kept the prime real estate in the north, which is what we call Northern Ireland. And of course, the Irish were upset about that. They wanted all of Ireland. So you have the Irish Republican Army, which is always, or it's been quiet for the last 10 years. But, you know, if you know, if you know what I'm talking about with the IRA, they've been, you know, trying to get Ireland, you know, unified into one full island instead of a split island. Well, this, this deep-rooted history, I mean, it, it is so complicated. But to think that, that a Catholic bishop would ever contact an evangelical and say, would you bring what you're doing to the Catholic Church? That's what's happened with Johnny. One bishop, uh, actually several bishops, have contacted him and said, we've heard about how you're bringing youth to Christ. We're losing our youth. Our youth are, 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 are coming out of the Catholic Church faster than we can imagine. We're not going to have a Catholic Church if we don't do something would you come and share this with, uh, with our Catholic youth? And so that's what he's doing. He's sharing the gospel. Uh, John McCarthy, another student of mine, champion surfer. Uh, he, has, uh, he has probably shared his testimony, I'm guessing, with upwards to a million people because he's been on TV a lot. He's one of the biggest celebrities in the country and one of our graduates. And, uh, and he has openly shared 
the gospel on television. And, um, and you know, a lot of people in Ireland watch TV because there's nothing else to do at night. You're right. I mean, it's cold, it's raining, it's dark, you know. And we only have like four TV stations, okay? So statistically, I'm guessing that a lot of people have heard him. Uh, Stephen Byford, another one of my students, uh, a youth training to be a youth pastor. Actually, he's already working with the youth. He's just, you know, he's doing it posthumously. Is that what you say? Is that a word? Posthumously? Oh, no. Wrong word. All right. After, yeah, there's got to be a connection. Like, that word's got to be used somehow or similar. You know, like, you, you get your degree to become a youth pastor, but now he's already a youth pastor. He's just going to get his degree afterwards. Now, how? I don't know. We'll figure that out. We're going out for lunch, and we'll, we'll figure out the right word for that. Okay, there you go. All right, that's, that's the word I was looking for. He is fantastic. As you can see, he's a fire breather, okay? I don't know where he picked this up, but he, he has three friends that he does with this. The four of them, they're doing gigs all over Ireland, you know? And, and, and after they'll go to, like a concert, like before Madonna shows up for this big concert, they'll go and they're part of the pre-show. And, and, and then, you know, or afterwards, whatever, they just, they get, you know, signed up for these different events, festivals and stuff like that. And after they're done, his three buddies take off. And he stays around, and of course, you know, especially the kids, they love this. And they want to walk up, and they're talking to him. And he says, I got a captive audience, I share the gospel. It's a fantastic guy. Next slide. Uh, but the Irish Bible Institute isn't the only thing we're doing. We're also involved in church planting. And next slide. And the first church that we were involved in from 2008 to 2011 was at an area of North County, Dublin, where there, were, uh, there was no evangelical church at all. And, um, and by God's grace, we planted Scary's uh, Cornerstone Church. Next slide. And from that were two churches, uh, what we call third-generation churches. When we left in 2011, so did two other guys. One went to Northern Ireland, and one went... Uh, stayed in the Republic to a different part of the country. And they said, we could do this. And they planted what we call third generation churches. We call them third generation because we worked with a, when we went to plant Scaries, we went with, alongside, or under an Irish church. We wanted to partner with an Irish church. It's a very good model for church planting. And so we call that the first generation. And then Scaries was the second generation. And then we had third generation churches. So uh, any, any church planter will tell you there's nothing more exciting than to see a church plant that you've been involved with plant further churches. That's, that's exciting. Next slide. And now we're involved in a, tres- a Presbyterian church plant uh, in a town just south of us with this couple, uh, Andy and Victoria. And she's from um, Belfast, he's from Dublin, um, and um, they're fantastic. It's a, it's a paradigm shift for us. Instead of being the lead church planters, we're working underneath them to support them and resource for them uh, because uh, we are convinced after having uh, planted one church that this is the best model. Best model that there is, in our opinion. Uh, because when the church is planted and autonomous and on its own, as an Irishman, he can stay and pastor it if he wants. That really wasn't an option for us. It really wasn't as church planters. Next slide. But still, with all of that 
effort made by us and others to reach Ireland with the gospel, it's still less than 1%. Next slide. Uh, just, just roll through the next slides until I tell you to stop, would you? Stop right there. Yeah, these aren't the, pic- the typical pictures you see, right, in the uh, Irish travel brochures. It's a troubled country. has been for a long time. Uh, they need the gospel. They need to know that they can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This right here was the first church that John Wesley spoke at when he came to Ireland. It's now a pub. Next slide. This is the former Presbyterian church in Dublin. It's now a mosque. There are about 33,000 evangelicals in our country of 4 million. There are 55,000 Muslims. They are growing much, much faster than we are. The uh, Islamic, Irish Islamic Foundation just bought a huge tract of land about 15 minutes from the airport. Uh, it has been all through the newspaper. They've, they've, they've published their, their plans. They're going to build a, a large two-story mosque. They're going to build a, a, an elementary school, a secondary school. They're going to build apartments, entertainment complex, grocery stores. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're planning on expanding in Ireland. They, they've got Ireland in their sights. Well, what about us? What about the true church? What are we we doing? Uh, We need to step up. We need to take seriously what is happening in Europe. Not just in Ireland, but around Europe. We're we're, we're at a spiritual war. And it seems like the, the one thing Satan is using more than anything else is Islam. And we've got to do something about it. Next slide. This is where I want to turn quickly to uh, and finish our last ten minutes with some time in the Word. If you look at Acts chapter 1, I'm going to go through this quickly. I just want to share a few thoughts with you as a missionary to, to you, my brothers and sisters here in, in Trenton. Starting in verse 1, this is what we read. He says, Luke is writing to this guy, Theophilus, whoever this is. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I just want to make a couple principles with these, these verses in Acts chapter 1. Number one, number one is that mission begins and, and ends with Jesus. Notice the very beginning of the, of the chapter in my former book. Okay, this is, the, this is the gospel writer Luke. Before Luke wrote Acts, he wrote the book of Luke. The story of Jesus. The life and times of Jesus the Messiah. And you can't get to the book of Acts until you get through the book of Luke. 
Acts is all about the expansion of the church, the birth of the church, the expansion of the church. Uh, But you can't have a church without Jesus. Right? You can't get to the book of Acts until you've gone through the Gospels. We get to know Jesus in the Gospels. We get to know about uh, His birth, His miraculous birth, and, and, and His uh, amazing ministry, and then His death and His resurrection, and all the amazing theology uh, that's in the book of Luke. All of that telling us what? That He's come for us because of His grace. And His mercy, we can have a, a, a vibrant, personal, real relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. Why mention that? Why point that out? Because I'm, I want to accentuate how crazy it really would be to go to the book of Acts without going first through the book of Luke. And that is exactly what we have in Ireland. We have a church throughout the country that is a church, but there's no gospel. So if someone comes into that church because, well, let's see, because their parents did and their grandparents did, and because if they're like you and me, there are moments in their lives when they think of their mortality. What happens when I die? I'm going to die. Someday I'm going to die. What happens to me? Do I cease to exist? I can't live with that. No, i got to have some sort of hope. Can't live one second without it. i got to have some sort of hope. So there's got to be something out of there. Oh yeah, there's a God, right. That, that. And the church is telling me that if I do these things, then I'm, I'm good. And when I die, I'll be okay. Basic human need. You know what that is? We call that religion. That's a church without the gospel. Because you know what? That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you can't earn your salvation. There is nothing that you and I can do. If you're here this morning and you struggle with that, talk to your pastor. Can I say that? Talk to your pastor. Because no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard I try, we will never achieve what is necessary for salvation. Only Jesus could do that. And when he died on the cross, he he, he gave us the, the free opportunity to live eternally with him. The gospel. The gospel that is not taught in Ireland. Well, after Je- <laughs> you know, when Jesus ro- rose again, this is, where, this is the context of Acts chapter 1. He's meeting with people. He's, the Bible tells us that he spent uh, a period of 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God. It's, he's got 40 days, and then he's going to leave, and he's going to be with the Father. The Bible tells us what's on his heart. It's the kingdom of God. That is what is on Jesus' heart. Look at verse... Six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still thinking incorrectly. They're still thinking that what Jesus is going to do is He's going to restore the Jewish nation. He's going to restore the state. No, the the kingdom of God is not political. The kingdom of God is spiritual. Now, that's, again, a picture of Irish history. These blurred lines between culture, country, and faith. Somewhere in our history, our ancestors, we just celebrated July 4th, our ancestors somewhere decided that there should be a separation of church and state. Now, there's a lot of evangelicals who don't like that. I personally like that, and the reason why is because, well, what if our state was Muslim. So, they were incorrect in what they were thinking, but he corrects them and he says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. You're going to go out and you're going to be my people. You're going to go out as my people, my witnesses, testify to me. That's what you're going to do. Huh. Pastor talked this morning about the I, I, I. Jesus says, no, it's my, my, my. My church, my people, going to be my witnesses. Notice Jesus does not say, if you would please do this, I would greatly appreciate it. I think, I think as Americans... We kind of like it better when someone asks us to do something. It's that independent spirit. Don't tell me to do anything. I'm an independent American. It's a free country. Jesus doesn't ask us. He tells us, I want you to go out. You're going to be my witnesses. But most of us get a little nervous about that because we think, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Notice that he says, I'm not, but I'm not going to send you alone out there. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to help you. And we all hopefully know, and if you don't, then this will be the joy of the discovery of your faith, is that when we came to know Jesus, he, the Father gave us a special gift to help us in this amazing, amazing kingdom work that he has for us as the church to do. So God has gifted all of us, and we have different gifts. And when we work together, amazing miracles happen. Uh, there's an old British song in, in Ireland that goes like this. We, we, we learned it while we were there. It says, Shamgar had an ox goat, and David had a sling, and Dorcas had a needle, and Rahab had some string. Samson had a jawbone, and Moses had a rod. Mary had some ointment, and they all were used for God. All of us have wonderful gifts that God has given to us. And He is calling us to use them to be His witnesses in this world. What an exciting, exciting privilege. And then finally we end with these words. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as He went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Why do you stand there looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven 
will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Uh, I like to call this cloud gazing. Okay? The, the, the apostles, the disciples, they were cloud gazing. They're looking up. Cloud gazing. Okay, listen to this. This, this might be one of the most important things I say. Cloud gazing is not a good evangelistic strategy. Okay? It's not. They're looking up, and, the, and I presume angels say, say to them, Hey, stop looking up. He's coming back. In the meantime, get busy. There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. And it's really exciting when you look at the book of Acts because we find out that uh, after they left, the first thing they do is they have a prayer meeting. They have a prayer meeting. And then the Holy Spirit comes in chapter 2. And the church is born. And then they start going out and being his witnesses. Boy, there's so much work to do. Acts chapter 1 is a great paradigm, actually, for the missions movement, I think, in many, many ways. Um, Listen, thank you for inviting us to share with you. Uh, I I cannot impress upon you how, how sad it has been for me as I have traveled in the United States this year to see how many churches have not caught on to how bad things are in Europe. You know? The Christianity moved out of Europe and, this, and, and, and the United States became the center of Christianity. You know, thanks to, to, to people like, you know, George Whitfield and, um, and others during the, the Great Awakenings and the growth of the church. And, and then we've been sending missionaries out to all parts of the globe for the last 100 and plus years. Okay? But what happened when, when Christianity moved to America was that there was a vacuum in Europe. And you know what happens? You know, Aristotle tells us that nature abhors a vacuum. Right? So that vacuum had to be filled by something. And it was filled by enlightenment thinking and postmodernism and, and all that stuff. And Ireland and Europe is, is no longer Christian. But I only say this as a warning. Because missiologists are telling us that the center of Christianity may be moving out of America. And if that's the case, that means it will create a vacuum. And then what will fill it? Here. Home. I live up in Canton and Plymouth, and I have a church that supports us in Brighton, and we travel sometimes between the two. If you're on I-96 and you're heading east, there's a giant sign right past Brighton. An evangelistic sign for Islam. It's not going to be long, very long before you see as many Islam bulletin boards or whatever they're called along the sides of the expressways as you do Christian ones. Should we be concerned? I believe we should. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. We pray, the Lord, that we in this room might truly be a part of those people who have taken your call seriously to be your witnesses, not just here in Trenton, downriver Detroit, but also to the other parts of the earth, Asia, Africa, Europe. 
And I pray for this church, and I ask blessings on this church, this new building, inviting people in the community to see what's happening. But, Lord, we know that your call on our lives isn't just to invite, it's also to go. So might we be people who are actively involved in sharing our faith, sharing with others around us the hope that they need, the hope that is within us. And this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, uh, if you want to get our uh, updates, you can come up and sign this, and, and we send monthly updates on our ministry, what's going on. And, and uh, we also have prayer cards. Hey, thank you, Jonathan and Becky, for your ministry these 10 years in Ireland. Thanks for coming and sharing what the Lord's doing, what your burden is for them. And uh, if you didn't have a chance to meet them during the cafe community time, then before you leave today, if you would come by and let them know that you appreciate the presentation, you guys being with us, and that we'll be in prayer for them as they go back when? How, how long before you go back? Oh, in just a couple of weeks. Okay, so in just two weeks they'll be headed back. So let's assure them that we'll be praying for them. Uh, remember this Saturday, our open house uh, from 1 to 5. And uh, if you want to volunteer to help out, you can do that at the uh, Information Center. And if you don't have a position on any of that, just show up because that will help you meet some of the neighbors that we hope will be here. Lord bless you this week as you serve.